serving communities in northern and central Wisconsin and the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. This is Aspirus Health Talk with Melanie Cole. When someone says, I laughed so hard I peed in my pants, it may have been spoken not only in jest, but in truth as well. 57% of women between the ages of 40 and 60 have reported at least one incident of urinary incontinence in the past year. My guest today is Dr. Suja Roberts. She's an Aspirus Medford Hospital OB-GYN with a special interest in urinary incontinence. Welcome to the show, Dr. Roberts. So tell us a little bit about the different types of urinary incontinence and why you think people are so hesitant to seek help when this is something they suffer from. Hi, Melanie. Thanks for having me again. Um, yes, it's um, urinary incontinence is quite a frequent, common problem that we see in women. And surprisingly, it's not a it's not a symptom or a condition that is seen in older women, like how people normally think. It's not a condition that is associated with aging because, surprisingly, a lot of younger women, and especially pregnant women, do have at least one episode of urinary incontinence on a weekly basis. So just to keep it very simple, there are three main kinds of incontinence. The first one is your, your, your stress incontinence. This is where, oh, I laughed, I'm sneezing, I'm coughing, jumping, and you're, you, you're peeing in your pants, and you have to wear protection. That's called stress incontinence. The second type is urge incontinence, where you have the sudden urge to go, and if you don't, then you leak. So that's called urge incontinence. And there's a third kind, which is mixed, like many women have an element of both stress and urge-associated um, incontinence, and that, is, that would be the mixed incontinence. There are some other, um, there are other varieties of incontinence, like overflow incontinence, were mainly seen in old, older, older um, women, uh, you know, women who are in nursing home having Alzheimer's or dementia, where they do not feel the bladder distending, and as, as a result, the bladder fills, I mean, overfills, and then they leak. So, but we are mainly talking today about the three very common kinds of incontinence that is stress, urge, and mixed. So, why do you think women are so hesitant? I mean, and when do you want them to come to see someone like you? At what point, when they're suffering from incontinence, do they go see somebody and seek treatment? Um, you're right. Women are hesitant to talk about any kind of incontinence. I mean, um, definitely urinary, and when it comes to fecal incontinence, they definitely do not share that or they do not seek help. I guess it could be one is when you're younger and you are having urinary leakage, you associate that with getting old. And many times women accept that as a part of aging. I'm getting old, so, you know, I'll have to wear, depends for the rest of my life. So, well, that's not the case because you do not have to depend on, depends. That's what I tell my patients. So if it is, um, urinary incontinence is not a disease. Nobody dies from it, but it's a quality of life. So if you think you're not able to exercise, if you think you're not able to enjoy a cup of coffee without wearing protection, if you're um, not able to take long vacations or road trips because you have to stop at every gas station to go, that means you do have a serious problem, and that can be fixed. 
we can definitely help with um, incontinence. We have many, many good treatment options. I recommend all patients to um, uh, watch out for this and not not hesitate to reach out to their doctor. They can start off with their primary care provider. It could be a nurse practitioner or a family practice doc, but at least that would be a starting point. And many times they do end up in an OBGYN's office uh, where we can, you know, take them further into evaluation and treatment. Another way, the, another way of um, screening for this incontinence is when I get patients for my annual gynecological exams, I do give them um, a bladder health questionnaire. So that captures a lot of questions, and that's a, we have found that it's a very good way to have patients um, start the discussion by answering these questions. So um, definitely women have to understand that it's not, a, um, it's not something they have to live for the rest of their lives. They do not have to depend on wearing protection for the rest of their lives, and they should reach out to their primary care provider or their OBGYN to um, talk more about the treatment options. Well, let's start talking about some of the first line of defense. If we're talking about pelvic muscle strengthening and women have heard about Kegel exercises, Dr. Roberts, I'd like you to discuss, you know, starting with those kinds of exercises and then moving your way into diet changes and then medication if necessary. Mm-hmm. So um, Kegel exercises or pelvic floor exercises are uh, the basics. Every woman has to do them every day religiously for her entire life lifespan. And that we emphasize them, we emphasize this when they come for their um, pregnancy checkups, when they come for their gynecological checkups. Anytime we come in with patient contact, we do uh, emphasize on doing daily pelvic floor exercises. And a lot of women do it in a wrong fashion. So they, they need help to understand what muscles need to be toned. And uh, and pointing them out to the right muscle group is important, and most all the healthcare providers can assist them with um, knowing what to do. Or else they, they do have some good internet um, resources as well. So daily Kegels, pelvic floor exercises is a must, and um, this is a very good treatment to tone up the pelvic muscles, and therefore it's a good way to uh, prevent stress urinary incontinence where the bladder neck rotates due to pelvic floor deficiency. Then um, if you're overweight, life, um, losing weight is very important because obesity is a risk factor for urinary and fecal incontinence. Weight loss is a must. They have to, the patients, Women have to uh, aim at maintaining their weight in the normal BMI range. And then medications. Many times, you know, women are put on diuretics for high blood pressure or um, edema or something like that, and so they may be producing more urine, and therefore they may be leaking more. They may be having more leakage. So, in, so um, they need to like um, look over their medications, discuss with their with their doctors to see if they can substitute or replace the some of the medications that will help. Then smoking. I recommend uh, women to definitely smoking is a big risk factor for urinary incontinence, mainly because of the cough and uh, the lung issues. And avoiding constipation is very important. So we call this as valsalva, meaning that when women have to strain 
when you have to have a bowel movement, you're setting up the stage for urinary incontinence. So avoiding any kind of valsalva maneuvers like constipation um, can, you know, help in preventing urinary incontinence. Um, when does it come to the point of surgical intervention? When is it something that you say, okay, I think we're going to have to help you with this. Medication hasn't seemed to help, and your quality of life is really suffering. And as you say, someone doesn't want to have to depend on depends. Surgical options are mainly uh, for stress urinary incontinence. And there are some other newly available surgical techniques or um, interventions for urge incontinence as well. So to to come to this stage in treatment, um, we take our patients, like, like you said, right from basics, like pelvic floor exercises and everything done, and it's still, she's done everything that she has to do, and but, but she still is not able to um, control her leakage, and it's taken over her life, and, and then we do decide, okay, this is the time we do go into, um, you know, kind of give you some help with surgery, mainly to support the bladder neck. So um, the, the most commonly done procedure for stress incontinence is um, a, um, it's called as a mid-urethral sling, or it's a little piece of tape or a um, mesh that is placed um, under the mid um, around the bladder neck, and that acts like a speed bump. So whenever um, you cough or sneeze or laugh, it moves up like a speed bump, and it will prevent um, urine from escaping from the bladder. So that is the most common surgical intervention that is uh, being done um, in today's um, day and age. For urge incontinence, we do have no novel methods of treatments, um, like for women who failed medical treatment and other uh, non-invasive options, there are some good treatment options in the form of um, Botox. Botox injections are, um, they, they relax the muscles. So uh, the, um, these women can have the Botox injected into the bladder base. That's one way of um, helping with the urge incontinence. And then there is a nerve stimulator. It's called a sacral neuromodulation where um, we place a nerve stimulator which will, re which will help to stimulate the nerves, which will relax the bladder. So this is these are the three uh, surgical options that are available to uh, women with both stress and urgent incontinence. In just the last few minutes, Dr. Roberts, please give your best advice for people suffering from whether it's stress or urge incontinence and really what you want them to know about this and why they should come to Aspirus for their care. I want, my, oh, I want women to know that it's not, it's not a normal part of aging. And if you have, if you notice incontinence, reach out, know your options, get some basic evaluation done, and that way we, you can prevent it from getting worse. Um, and maybe you can also prevent it from going to the point where you need more invasive surgeries. Thank you so much. It's such great information. You're listening to Aspirus Health Talk. And for more information, you can go to aspirus.org. That's aspirus.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.